0: Welcome to the Bible Feed podcast, a place of conversations about the Bible and faith in the modern world, where ordinary people come together to help each other understand the Bible better. Let's get started.
1: I'm Lawrence Davenport, and I'm here once again with uh, Dan Weatherall talk about the gospel of matthew continuing the series
0: yeah episode five um six of uh, a six part series so we're almost there and we're just at this point just going to ask the question who is jesus so i mean this whole series is about discovering jesus and we're we're only just getting around to asking that question but yeah i I think it's probably about
1: time that we do that yeah leave it leave it to the end keep the uh, crowd in suspense that's your (laughs) that's your game plan Excellent. So, topic who is Jesus? Um let's let's get stuck in. Um so how are we going to to deal with the topic then?
0: Okay. So, we're going to what well, what we've been looking at, haven't we, is that Matthew, as well as all the gospels, they're they're trying to present this individual, Jesus of Nazareth in a particular way, inviting the reader to understand who he is. So, we've already seen probably in each of the episodes so far, we've seen quite a few sort of things that start to reveal who this person is. So, for example, right right at the start, verse 1 of you know, chapter one verse one, he's the the son of David, the son of Abraham. So we, we talked about that probably in the very first. Episode, I think um, possibly in the second one a bit way as well, back. way back when. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so we talked about son of David, the, David being the, the king. So this is a sort of a, a royal title and son of Abraham. He's, he's an Israelite. He's, you know, he's from the, the, the Jewish, um, from Jewish heritage. So, so yeah, we've got a few of those things there, but I want to dive in. There's a, there's a really pivotal moment in Matthew chapter 16. And, and this is yeah, really I good.
1: Love this. I love this passage. This is a, yeah, a you, um, you get some really strong characters coming out of this of this passage, don't you? In, you certainly in, uh, do. Matthew 16.
0: Yeah, you certainly do. And it's really, it's fascinating because Jesus is taking his disciples sort of way out north to Caesarea Philippi. And uh, he, he sort of basically asks them this question, the question that we're trying to discover as well, which is, who is Jesus? And he basically says, uh, you know, who do, who do people think I am? Um, Shall we read that passage? Um, we probably need verses 13 sure. to 17. Don't know yeah, if you let me want to read, let me that? read
1: yeah. that then. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Um, Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others... Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said unto them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven.
0: Yeah, there we go. So it literally is yeah. that question. Yeah, who do you think I am? And uh, Peter gives a. Yeah, it's gives interesting, a go. that,
1: it's <laughs> interesting that. It's interesting we get so far through the the ministry of Jesus and then he asks this question to to his disciples after so much time with them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. It's really interesting, and and as we'll see, you know, in the things that we look at at different points through the gospel, people sort of come to a realization and exclaim, "Oh, you are the whatever, or you are this person." And you know, different people sort of come to that realization at different points. It's really and and is inviting us that, as readers to sort of jump onto that, um you know and and will realize that, that there'll be points in each individual's lives when they well they're, they'll realize and the idea is that we read this and we come to the realization that yeah Jesus is this this person who whoever he is but there's a few things to think through there then aren't there
1: yeah yeah. So, I mean, where is this in kind of context of, you know, the, the stuff that we've already yeah. been talking about? Uh, kind of what's happened up to this date? Maybe it's worth putting it into that yeah. sort of no, time frame of what we've looked at.
0: That's that's a good point um, So because we're sort of slap bang in the middle here and uh, there's no way mm. in this sort of series we're going to cover everything either side. So, so what up to this point then, we've the first four chapters of this introduction, we spend a little bit of time on that genealogy, the temptation narrative and things like that. Um, and then you get the first collection of sayings, which is the Sermon on the Mount which is chapters 5 to 5, 6 and 7 so that's a really key point in the book and then you get a collection of events in chapters 8 and 9 and we, we talked a bit about that didn't we about um, healings and authority mm-hmm. yeah. and um, uh, a bit about that in whichever episode it was I think it was the second one we did uh, when we were thinking about structure you need to stop
1: referring to the episodes Dan because we can't remember which we can't remember
0: now you just need to listen to them all <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just previously previously, previously. <laughs> yeah and, uh, and then chapter 10 the <laughs> Uh, yeah, so th- those those events, those healings are sort of designed to show Jesus' authority that sort of, this is why he can say the things that he's just said. And then in chapter 10, there's another collection of sayings, and this is now commissioning the disciples to go out and proclaim the kingdom. Um, and then what comes after that in chapters 11 and 12 is another collection of events, different things that happen. And they kind of show that instead of the emphasis being on uh, that Jesus is proving his authority, this is more now an emphasis on what's happening. What, what are the people reacting? You know, they're actually actually reacting in different ways and there's a pretty much a pretty a, a big division between how people are reacting and then you get chapter 13 which is another of the five collections of sayings and this time it's parables and the parables are all about it labors the point or is all about how that is basically it is dividing people dividing people into who Receive the word and, and, you know, think about it, hear it, understand it, and then act on it. And those who are sort of receiving the word and either rejecting it or, or not understanding it, um, because they're not looking into it properly. Uh, so yeah, the, the teaching of the kingdom is dividing people, um, but it, but the parables are teaching it's within everyone's grasp, like to, to receive the word in the right way or not. You've got to hear Jesus and it's up to you to hear him in the right way. And you can hear him in the right way if you, if you're sort of doing it and if you, if you choose to do it. So, so that's the third collection, and then chapters 14 to 16 are, are now, um, it's more, it, it, more events, so we're out of the saying section, and now this is more sort of disputes with the Pharisees and the Sadducees about whether he can, whether Jesus can provide a sign about who he is. There's, there's a, um, earlier on, there's, there's an occasion about, um, Jesus, um, or people wondering if Jesus is the son of David, and the Pharisees say no, he isn't. And there's then they start saying, give us a sign. And 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 then John the Baptist as well um, sends his disciples while he's in prison, saying, you know, are you the one that should come, or should we look for another? It's that you know what what are the signs, you know, what, how how can you prove who you are, Jesus, that kind of thing. So so that's kind of leading right up to the point where we've just read where Jesus has taken the his close friends many miles north and asked them this question: well, Who who am I? Who do people think? I am, and then who do you who do you think I am? So it's really yeah, it's yeah. really fascinating.
1: Mm. There has been a series of people trying to understand who he was all the way through here, haven't we? We yeah, we saw like when we were talking about the authority, that was basically trying to establish that he was who he says he was yeah and so you've like you say you've got all these situations of realization yeah. um of of who he was should we focus in on this passage a little bit then yeah yeah, yeah let's do it so yep. in this passage in chapter 16 we have um a number of answers which are provided so at you know, the response to jesus's question you know who do people say that the son of man is so he's not asking this initial question is he's not asking um what do they think he's asking okay so what's the yeah collective the groups yeah. of people around what what do they think? And there's a whole list of potential, you know, John the Baptist, Elijah, Jeremiah, one of the prophets, uh, all of which are presumably wrong answers. Um, and then we have this proclamation when Asked and Peter speaks up, doesn't he, on behalf of yeah. all of the disciples? When he said, "Okay, who do you say that that I am?" Um, and he gives the answer, a very clear, succinct a- answer, doesn't it? Uh, Christ, uh, the Son of the Living God. Yeah, um, that's right. So that's a, it's, it's really nice, and it's interesting that the people around were you know trying to pin a name or uh, you know who is this person? They were trying to identify who this person was.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, and so here we've got Simon Peter with crystal clear clarity. You yeah, know, this is something we can. So we, we've got. An answer here because Jesus accepts that doesn't he you know he says "Blessed to you Simon mm. so um so so Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God so we've got something to to start with there but also we've got that phrase the son of man so verse 13 where he says who do people say that the son of man is and what that he, he's clearly mm. it, that's some kind of veiled reference to himself because other gospels basically say that who do you say that that I the son of man is um, so he's referring yeah. to himself there as, as we'll see so we've got these titles the son of man he, he's the son of man and that's one thing we to think at, about, yep. he's the Christ, and he's the Son of the Living God. He's the Son of God, and also he's the Son of David. Yep. <laughs> so we, you know, we we just need to think a little so- bit about them. I think.
1: The <laughs> mean that so the son of david and the son of abraham which is how actually matthew starts isn't it that, yeah i think we can pretty safely say that was our first episode don't yep <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> it was when we were looking at uh, the son of david and the son the son of abraham so we kind of dealt with that as part of the genealogy the thing leading up to yeah. to the birth and and then that linking to the description of the role that jesus would play later on in that chapter in in chapter one and um, it talks about the role that he will play being the son of david doesn't it when when joseph has that to dream as as to as to what that's right what Jesus would be yeah um so we kind of have an answer to that yeah so we have we know that Jesus is linked all the way back to these these father figures yeah but what we don't necessarily have is a is a clear answer here yet about um the reference to the son of man son of God and Christ those yeah. kind of three so maybe that's we right. should focus on those
0: yeah yeah we should yeah before we just just before we do that that those collection of terms come again in Matthew and there's another really crucial moment and it's in Matthew chapter 26. Right. So I'll just, um, I'll read a couple of verses here. So this is in, in the trial of Jesus. So this is towards the end of his life. Um, he's just going to be found mm-hmm. guilty. Um, and he says before the high priest in verse, well, verse 63, Jesus remained silent and the high priest said to him, I adjure you by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the son of God. Jesus said to him, you have said so, but I tell you, from now on you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest didn't like that much and he thought yeah. it was blas- blasphemy. So, <laughs> so there you go. So, those three titles have come together again. Um, he's, are you the Christ, the Son of God? He's asked and he says, yeah, well, you've said so. That's effectively affirming that. Um, and he says, but actually, you'll also see the Son of Man um, seated and coming in clouds of heaven, okay, seated in the, on the right hand of power of, of God. So, there, there's, that's yeah. fascinating. Um, and I just think, yeah, there, there's some key terms, some key moments in the history of Jesus and his life and as recorded in the gospel, and we just need to think through those things.
1: Uh, interestingly that you know, Peter does know the answer so it's not like it's been hidden as to who That's, Jesus was. So yeah. Peter has the, you know, he's been taught by Jesus what the answer is yeah. and it's just bringing it to the fore and and obviously, you know, that answer is quite freely given by Jesus because otherwise the high priest wouldn't have asked him those questions at the end. So it's not, there's nothing hidden here, it's all very plain as to sure. linking Jesus with the Son of Man, Son of God, yeah. Christ.
0: Yeah, okay. it's just working out what, what they
1: are yeah they are yeah so let's do that
0: okay yeah so let's start with son of man i think um that's the Mm -hmm. that's the title that's used the most so i think it's about 30 times um jesus in matthew refers to himself as the son of man um Mm -hmm. and yeah so it's his kind of preferred term to talk about himself so we've just looked at that passage in matthew 26 that talks about the son of man in terms of coming in clouds and seated at the right hand of, of God. Um, and that comes right out of Daniel. So there's a really um, uh, important passage in Daniel chapter 7. So one of the prophetic books, Daniel chapter 7, which we're going to have to skip way, way through the, the, what's happening here. Yeah. But basically Daniel the prophet in Babylon in exile see has a dream of lots of beasts which are kind of representing the kingdoms of men. And it's all pretty terrible um but then he sees um verse 9 so he looked thrones were placed and the ancient of days took his seat his clothing was white as snow and the hair of his head like pure wool so here's a sort of a depiction of god effectively and there's thrones there but then verse 13 behold with the clouds of heaven there came one like a son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed so here's a here's a vision basically of, of god and uh, one like the son of man ascending in the clouds and and being seated at the right hand of power at the right hand of god so it's exactly what jesus has, has talked about and and said and we've already thought a bit about in in previously in the in this series about jesus <laughs> and having authority, and and having the kingdom. We talked about the kingdom a lot, didn't we? About him sort of proclaiming the kingdom and bringing the kingdom. So, so there's something really crucial about this passage.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, so son of man itself is it literally, you know, it just means a human being. That's that's what it what it means. Yeah. That, you know, son of man is you know one of the class of mankind, basically.
1: It's interesting that we have this link back to Daniel, and that there's this human figure which takes this position of power, just just as described. Um, of Jesus in the New Testament, and you know, in Daniel, it's full of uh, these prophetic visions, and there's one in Daniel two as well, where you have um, Jesus described as a stone which is carved out without hands, and that's that again is like a an object of of the earth which has been carved out, and it grows into this mountain, and you get this you get this kingdom doing, being described. Mm. So you get like this repetition of patterns where you get this kingdom being created, and that also in the temptations we looked at we will also see that jesus was shown these kingdoms wasn't it? kingdoms of mm. all the earth and he recognized and the temptation was take this now yourself yeah but we saw that he counted that and said that's not the way that's not the way it should happen the way in which this should happen should be um god's the god the way that god has laid it down to to happen yeah and so yeah. we see don't we a link with this son of man particularly and this kingdom um in yeah. the future
0: uh, absolutely this this is um you know matthew is, is bringing this all together and showing how Jesus is fulfilling all the things that were, were talked about and were expected and anticipated. Um, and, uh, yeah, he is, he's basically claiming that Jesus is the son of man, the one expected in Daniel. So, yeah, and, and it's Jesus himself using that term. So, for, for example, I think the first time he uses it is in Matthew chapter eight and, uh, verse Well, verse 20, verse 19, a scribe says that teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. So it's just, you know, referring to himself. Uh, You know, this is hard. This this is hard. I've got nowhere to lay my head. Um, Referring to himself. And in one sense, I think it's he is a son of man. He's human. He's a human being. He's, you know, in, that's I think one sense in which Jesus is talking about himself. But in the other sense, he is the Son of Man. It's the one in Daniel seven, the one like the Son of Man, who's actually going to be exalted. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. I think that comes out in in the really key passage in chapter nine, because you you get this incident in chapter nine where. There's a paralytic who um, they they bring him lying on a bed, and Jesus says, "Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven." And all the people there, you know, the the uh, uh, scribes and Pharisees were sort of aghast. You know, you can't say that. Only God can um, forgive sins. You know, this man is blaspheming. They say, and and Jesus basically says, "Well, what's easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say rise and walk?" And then there's this key verse, verse six. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, "Rise, pick up your bed, and go home." So so this is part of those things that show he's got authority and he's it's the son of man has authority on earth which is what Daniel 7 said wasn't it this he would be given the power authority kingdom dominion he's, he's going to be given all these things yeah. so this is you know this is this is yeah. starting now he's saying you know this is the um the start of what's ultimately going to be something way uh, you know brilliant in, in the future
1: yeah, it's interesting that that authority again is is something that's referred to slightly earlier in chapter 8 and it shows that it's it's not like an innate um authority that Jesus had but yeah. an, an authority that's given to him yes um yeah. because we have the centurion who um he's got a servant that's ill uh, this is chapter eight verses eight centurion that's ill and he looks at jesus and go and, and and recognizes a bit of himself in jesus like you are somebody who's under authority so the centurion's under rome and he's able to tell his servants where to go because he's been given that authority and he likens jesus to that as well and he says i too um, am a man under authority with soldiers under me and i say go and he goeth, and another come and he cometh and it comes and to my servant do this and he he does it yep. and so jesus is then somebody who's under authority. The authority comes from God. He's given it by God and therefore he's able to do these things. So yeah. it's interesting to see that hierarchy come yeah. out in, in that in that exchange. Uh,
0: absolutely, yeah. And but, you know, some people um look at this passage of Jesus forgiving sins in in Matthew chapter 9 um and and sort of draw the conclusion that therefore God uh, Jesus is is God in some sense because because only God mm. can forgive sins and I, it's just missing the What you've just said, the background, it's missing the background of Daniel 7, the son of man, which is the one who's given authority. And actually that comes right in the next verse, um, in Matthew 9, verse 7, he rose and went home. And verse 8, when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men, this is literally what you just mm-hmm. said. So, so yeah, this this is yeah. painting a picture and an understanding of what the son of me, what it means for Jesus to be the son of man. And it it's not it's not leading us to the conclusion that he is innately divine. You know, he's this uh, divine figure who is God incarnate or God become man, that kind of thing. It's he's the he's the one expected in Daniel seven, and he's been given authority by God, and and, and we can glorify God because of that. So, so that's um yeah, yeah that's that's where I mean there's there's Many more times Jesus talked about the Son of Man, but there's some of the key
1: moments. And I suppose the, uh, the the very fact that Matthew opens with this sequence, this genealogy, showing that he is the Son of of Man. You know, he is. He comes from descendants. He has de- you know descendants all the way back. You know, these these chunks of fourteen generations that that we've spoken yeah. about in the first episode. Yeah. That's kind of emphasising the fact, isn't it, that he is the Son of Man. Yeah. You know, definitely. he does come from human stock. Yeah. Um, and 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 that's what's being emphasised here. Uh, but it, he happens to have been given authority yeah. to do these things by yeah. God. Yeah, yeah.
0: and re- remember we talked about him being sort of given the name Emmanuel, meaning God with us, which is sort of a mm-hmm. sign that God is with the people again. Um, and if God is giving, is, if God is working with Jesus by giving him the power and authority to healed forgive and all that then god certainly is with his people again so you know it's that's how that's fulfilled it's it's not about um it's not it doesn't describe anything about sort of god physically becoming a man or anything like that but but it's it's no less amazing and it's no less wonderful it's it's god working in this human this his son jesus to um to bring about the his his power and and his kingdom which is which is wonderful so so that's the son of man should we move move on So let's just think about um, Christ next. That that title, which I think is, I've got it down as 17 times. Um, and it, it's linked mm-hmm. to um, it's linked to the term Son of David right at the first chapter, isn't it? First verse. Um, so Son of David comes about nine times. Okay, if I've got that right. Christ comes about 17. So, so but chapter one verse one is um. Let me just make sure i get it right um, the book of the genealogy of jesus christ the son of david the son of abraham so jesus mm-hmm. the christ um who is the son of david they're sort of linked together in this this verse so christ basically just means anointed and it's the greek form of the hebrew word for anointed which is messiah it, it, so this is this is the Greek term for, for Messiah. And the anointed one is the, the king, isn't it? The, you know How they, they got the oil and they anointed it on the, the king or the priest or whoever for, for a special role, a sort of set apart and you're the one chosen by God and you're the one that's going to be anointed. And, and so the term Messiah, the term Christ, as it is now in the Greek, became synonymous with that person who they were expecting to come to be the Messiah, the chosen of of god who would be the king and you can so you can see why it's linked to son of david because we we've, we've already seen the, how that that is effectively saying that or claiming that jesus is the rightful king the heir of the son of david so so that's um that's what christ or the term basically means you can actually see that in chapter two so do you remember when the uh the wise men come along the magi um and they inquire where yeah. Verse yeah, 2, cool, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? So they're looking for the one that's born, the heir, king of the Jews, so the son of David, the king of the Jews. And, um, and then in the end, Herod is, is not very happy with this. In verse 4, he assembles the chief priests and scribes of the people and inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So, so you can see how it's totally synonymous with king, Christ,
1: so so essentially, it's the title, and we often, you know, sometimes forget that, and you kind of yeah. refer to Christ as as though it's his name, yeah. Uh, but actually, it's the title, yeah. and so that, and which is why you have Jesus Christ, yeah, uh, Jesus that's right. the Anointed, Jesus the Anointed, um, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's right. So so he is, is, that, is that Anointed One. Just one passage in the Old Testament, which is Psalm two, which is worth just quickly thinking about. So Psalm 2 has this term anointed in it. So this is one of the, one such passage in the Old Testament that, that looks forward and, an, and anticipates um, the Messiah, the anointed. So Psalm 2 verse 1, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, that's God, against the Lord Yahweh and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart, cast away their cords from us. And then it, it depicts God in the heavens laughing and basically saying that's you know they can't come argue against us because verse six i have set my king on zion my holy hill okay so the king and the anointed are sort of brought together despite what the rulers of the world want to do which is exactly what's happening in matthew 2 isn't it herod is trying to destroy the christ the anointed the, the one born king of the jews and it's what happens at the end of Jesus' life as well they try and rise up against him and kill him and they do kill him but but uh god has other plans <laughs> and raises him from the dead so so yeah, so yeah that sort of explains an anointed, uh, or just cements that, that connection between anointed and, and king. Yeah. And then I don't know if That's you... Pr- oh,
1: probably the... Go on. No, you can. I
0: was just going to say, I don't know if you notice or remember coming to Psalm 2 before, because we did this um, in the Temptations episode, um, when we came back we did. to Psalm 2, and the very next verse was at uh Was that
1: uh, 8? 7 and 8, yeah, yeah. to do with... Um, the nations yeah that's
0: right yeah I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me you are my son today I've begotten you so at the baptism of Jesus there's that declaration Mm -hmm. this is my beloved son ask and then verse 8 ask of me I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your, your possession so there's that sort of temptation just to go and take it but but actually no, he's not gonna take it. He's going to be the, the son of man in Daniel seven. He's going to be given this authority. He's not gonna just try and grasp it all for himself. He's not that type of messiah, not that type of Christ. He's he's trying to do it in the in the way that God wants him to do it, which is um, you know, establish a kingdom on the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, which is very much not about grasping what you want but about turning the other cheek, loving your neighbor, and, you know, all those all those things. So you start to see start to piece all these pieces together. It's really you get a really coherent view, don't you? I think, I hope. I hope anyway.
1: Um Well, you definitely, I mean, that Psalm 2 is such a wonderful uh, pointer forward to Christ, isn't it, all these different aspects? Yeah. Um and I think you know, the the, the very fact that um you've got the, the anointed being highlighted here, you've got the 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 link to the role of Jesus being um, you know, taking the kingdom taking these nations um is in, is incredible and so you've then got towards the end of that you've got your will break them with a rod of iron and dash them into pieces and so you then start to see what you, what you then what we then talked about in Daniel 2 with the 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 working out of this kingdom being created and uh, what's going to happen, mm. completely different to him being rejected at the beginning of this chapter. To um, the the kings of the earth being being destroyed and being dashed in yeah. pieces. So yeah, yeah, very interesting. That,
0: yeah, this is, this might link in with the Revelation series that Paul's doing as well because you get some too cropping up in Revelation. And h- how is mm. that going to be outworked? The rod of iron, you know, and you know maybe mm. maybe we need to ask him because that <laughs> that falls into a, you know. Well, what's the nature of Christ's kingdom? Is it one where he smashes people up with a rod of iron? <laughs> or is he, you know, maybe, yeah. you
1: know, maybe not. So that's that's good. All the imagery you get in Daniel 2, again, is reflected in in, uh, in, in Revelation. That's where mm. that's, that comes yeah, from. Yeah, well. sure, so, yeah, sure. Yeah. Let's move on then. So I think, yeah. so in terms of the anointed, in terms of Christ, we're a little bit more comfortable with that. It's a bit more of a common phrase that we yeah. see referred to, to Christ, that anointed. So let's move on then to look at the final one, which is the son of God. Yeah, and kind of how do we understand that?
0: Yeah, okay. So, Son of um, God, which I th- is I've got down eight times. Hopefully, that's right. But in Matthew, we've got mm-hmm. Jesus referred to the Son of God about eight times. So um, it comes up first in, like we've just said, in the baptism, you are my beloved Son, okay, and then the temptation narrative <laughs> where he's tempted. If you are the Son of God that you've just been declared, then why don't you do this or why don't you do that? So, so we've thought about that a little bit before, um, and then let's let's just think in. There's in chapter eight. So we're back in chapter 8, and there's a moment here in verse 23 when Jesus is sleeping on a boat and there's this great storm that's terrible so that the disciples who are all fishermen <laughs> most of them and they're really afraid so it must have been pretty bad and uh, they say save us lord we are perishing and he he basically gets up rebukes the winds in the sea and there was a great calm and the men marveled saying what sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him so and that's it they don't say anything else okay so they're just absolutely awestruck what uh, what they've just witnessed and seen that okay the very next thing that happens they get to the other side. The country of the Gallerines, and there's this again, very bizarre, strange incident. Okay, which we can't delve into right now. But there's these two demon-possessed men meet him. They come out of tombs. These are people who are so fierce that no one passes that way. They're, they're mentally unstable. They're and and yet they cry out, verse twenty-nine, and say, "What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time?" So they start crying out, "What have you to do with with, with us, O Son of God?" So they're, these mentally unstable and fierce and people who live in tombs and people out of civilization, they are claiming and, and publicly proclaiming that Jesus is the son of God. So that just after the disciples who are saying, who's this guy? Okay. Which is really fascinating because then you fast forward to Matthew 14 and um, verse 22. And there's a really similar incident where Jesus, Jesus isn't on the boat this time. He's off, it's staying on, on the coast and, uh, The disciples go on the boat before him and they are a long way from the land and they're beaten by the waves. Basically, there's another storm again and Jesus comes walking on the water. And this incident, it's a very famous incident, isn't it? Peter walks on the water and then he's saved. Mm -hmm. And verse 32 when they got into the boat the wind ceased and those in the boat worshipped him saying truly you are the son of god and it's almost as if like they they are they're starting to realize this now this is a really similar incident the, the, you know having some kind of authority and, and control over the wind and the waves and and they're starting to connect that with him being the son of god um from the from the first incident so so that's you know that i think that's um a really interesting thing how matthew develops this So what does it mean to be son of God? Is that there, therefore meaning that he is in some sense divine, or is it something else? So here's um we have already seen how that in Peter then in chapter sixteen links this together, doesn't he? So you're the Christ, Son of the Living God. Um, we've um uh, already looked back in Psalm 2, where it had the anointed and the king on Zion, and you are my beloved son. So it's linking all those terms together again, um, without really hinting that this is a sort of divine figure or whatever. So this is how um, I thought it'd be useful to sort of share um, how Tom Wright, or, or NT Wright, in his commentary on. Um, on Matthew. This is what he says about this this phrase in Son of God in in Matthew 16. He says, it's important to be clear that at this stage, the phrase Son of God did not mean the second person of the Trinity. There was no thought yet that the coming King would himself be divine. He does go on to say that though some of the things Jesus was doing and saying must already have made the disciples very puzzled. And uh, basically what he's pointing out here is that the term Son of God isn't the term God the Son, which, you know, we, we might or people might hear that phrase and not the son of god and and just hear hear that it he is saying the same thing but it actually isn't um he goes on to say um uh, in fact he refers right back to to Psalm 2 and also 2 Samuel 7 about the phrase son of god as a biblical phrase indicating that the king stood in a particular relation to god adopted to be his special representative and refers back to Psalm 2 and he says it's important if we are to understand the present passage that we don't read into it more than is there what Peter and the others were saying was you are the true king you're the one Israel has been waiting for you are. God's adopted son, the one of whom the psalms and prophets had spoken. So I I think that's really interesting. Of course, Tom Wright, um, former bishop of Durham, he he does affirm to some kind of view of of Trinity or some kind of view of deity of Christ. Um, But he's he's pretty clear and accurate there that. There's, there's no indication actually in the text here that this phrase means that. Um, it, it's being referred back to things like Psalm 2 and it's it's linking him to the, the uh, God's chosen anointed one, his Messiah. He's the one that God has chosen to represent him and be his king and be the one to whom he's going to give authority and power. So no wonder he can command the sea and the waves and the wind because he's got God's authority and, and power to, to do so. Um, and he's going to perform that on God's behalf. That's that's basically what I, I think is going on here.
1: Yeah, and I think you get similar um, phraseology happening when speaking of the kings of the of the kingdom of of God in the past. Um, they were sitting on the throne of God. That's right. It, it talks about Solomon sitting on the throne of God, David sitting on the throne of his of his father, um, and and that that is synonymous, isn't it, with what's being brought out in these passages? And as you just read from that from that um, commentary, that yeah, indeed, this is identifying um the fact that he is linked with that genealogy linked back to Abraham leading linked back to David and is that seed which has been long looked for by this the, the these this Jewish nation that have been looking and studying these prophecies for hundreds of years looking for this this son of god this this um person who's going to take on this role um and like you say if if you've already got a preconception of an idea in your mind it's very easy to kind of overlay that on passages which don't necessarily substantiate it don't mm. you can't read that in the passage you're coming to it with a yeah. a preconceived idea yeah. So it's like you know we've spoken about before. We need to read these passages honestly and yeah. work out okay what is actually being being highlighted in the in the in the narrative here.
0: Yeah, we're all we all can can do that, can't we? Um, we've got to be careful to do that. And I suppose yeah. the only only guideline 100%. for us is is the Old Testament, the context, the background, and and trying to trying to read it and hear it as the people would have read it and heard it. So yeah. Okay, so yeah. so there we go. That that's pretty much. I mean, that's a that's a just a short tour through some of those passages where the in Matthew where those terms are used. Really,
1: yeah. Okay, excellent.
0: So, so one thing we haven't done so much is looked at other parts of Scripture um, to sort of verify what we're finding in Matthew. And and it's important to do both of these things, I think. It's important to spend a bit of time in one book, in one passage, and trying to really fully understand what that passage is saying. So we've concentrated on Matthew and discovering what how Matthew is presenting Jesus. But then it's really important as well to sort of cross-check and verify with other parts of Scripture as well. So uh, just to sort of redress the balance, there's one passage in Acts chapter 2 that describes Jesus. I mean, there's many more, but this is a particularly useful useful one in Acts chapter 2 and verse 22 that just describe Peter here is describing who Jesus is um, and just listen to what he says and see if it fits with the sort of things we've found in Matthew so he says men of Israel hear these words Jesus of Nazareth a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst as you yourselves know so there we go he's a man he's the son of man Uh, God was working in him through mighty works and wonders and signs God did those through him and and he, he is He's therefore approved. He's attested by God. He's he's sort of the one chosen. And a little bit later on, it says that God has made him both Lord and Christ. This Jesus, whom you crucified, so pretty much saying the same thing. I think Jesus, the agent of God, that he's acting on God's behalf, and he's appointed and can do these things. I don't know if yeah, and that.
1: maybe just just in yeah I think so and and you're absolutely right that you you can sometimes be very myopic when you're studying a particular book and uh, you need to just do a sanity check on the things that you're the conclusions you're coming to and that they are um, seen elsewhere Um, and just to add maybe one other uh, point really just to kind of wrap up these uh, this this um, episode really around um, the fact that Jesus was the son of man so he was a human he was um, in this line and long looked for in terms of the role that he would um, um, perform but just that the fact that he was like us uh, in hebrews 2 we have a really nice passage at the end which i think is really comforting to yeah. to us um and it really does you know if jesus was a man and went through these things it's so much more comforting for us that that was the case and that comes out and i just read a couple of verses at the end of hebrews 2 where it says Therefore, um, he um, he had to be made like his brothers. This is Jesus. Had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. So somebody who stands and mediates uh, in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those that are being tempted. And so you get, don't you, that lovely uh, sort of uh, comforting statement that because Jesus has been through this, we have a, a high priest, an elder brother, like that, that's able to you know, sympathize with the mm. things that we're going through and because he, he went through it all himself. Mm. And I think that's an amazingly comforting thought. Mm.
0: Yeah, I, I think, yeah. So what you, you're going on to, to think about is what's the, the reason why it's important to note what Jesus is um, and who Jesus is and how that he is human the son of man um because yeah that that changes to some extent changes the dynamic of of um, his temptations and how he overcame and the suffering that he endured and stuff it makes that it, it accentuates those things in a huge way doesn't it i think um so yeah, yeah i it think so makes it makes it more amazing um yeah so there you go that's the, i think i think we've i think we've managed to pretty much answer who jesus is yep. in We've discovered him in Matthew um, after five sessions, there or thereabouts anyway. I mean, there's so much more in this book, which we're just not going to look at, but I think we've um, done what we can.
1: <laughs> Great. Thank you, uh, Dan. So yeah, we've looked at those, particularly in Matthew 16, those phrases, who was Jesus? And we've kind of scratched the surface of some of those phrases. And I'm sure plenty of hours of, of personal study yet to be done by everybody <laughs> on, on those particular topics as well, pulling all those links together that we've, we've started to, to look at. Uh, so I think we have one more episode left, don't we? Dan? Yeah. So how are we going to finish all this off? We, we just need to close it out, don't we? We need to think
0: about how it all ends. So we need to think about the the death of Jesus, but then his resurrection as well, which which will follow in really nicely to what we've just talked about. So we've just established who he is. So then let's think about what happens at his death, and then his resurrection in the light of that. And I think that will, I hope that will be helpful and just bring everything together and, and give us you know a whole package of of info that we've gleaned from from Matthew and take us forward from that
1: great thanks dan thank you everybody for listening um, and see you on the final episode um, coming soon and also go and um, look on uh, biblefeed.org which is our website and also uh, join the conversation on facebook and instagram as well so bible feed online thank you very much for listening
0: you've been listening to the bible feed podcast thanks for joining us We're always keen to hear what you think and hear your questions on subjects you'd like us to discuss. Get in touch with us on our Facebook page or send us a message from our webpage at biblefeed.org and be part of the journey.